Before I begin, I would just like to point out that in the Advent Christmas Epiphany season this year, I'm the only man bringing a message. And of course, it would be on the Sunday of Mary's Magnificat. So, sorry about that. But I will do what I can to do this justice as much as I can, and I will lend my thoughts and imagination and experiences, and I encourage you to bring yours. And if there are elements that I omit or overlook that you feel should be brought out, let us know during sharing time. Mary's Magnificat is a powerful piece. It has been made into song over and over again. Mary's words have moved and inspired people for centuries, for millennia. If we remove these words from the warm fuzzies of Christmas, this could be assumed to be a psalm. And if we look at it honestly, we may not be comfortable with what we see. It's a radical declaration of something new. It's a call for revolution like nothing the world has ever seen. A great leveling, filling the hungry with good things and sending the rich away empty. And mercy for everyone. Mercy for all. These are things our society could never get behind. But I'm not a theologian. I'm not someone who can dissect and do these beautiful, powerful words justice. I'm also clearly not intimately aware of the experience of growing a baby in me and birthing a child. However, I am someone who considers the feelings, rationales, and motivations of people. It's the writer, director, actor in me. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, as the lights go out, I'd like you to spend some time with me not looking at this powerful text, but looking and thinking and dreaming about how we get to this text, how Mary got to this text. We have to go back a little further than what the lectionary would have us read today. We have to go back to when the angel Gabriel first came to this tween, because she likely was 12 or 13. So what was this like for Mary? I mean, she's a young, poor teenage girl who's betrothed to Joseph, probably got, has gotten, not gotten very far from Nazareth in her life, probably isn't someone of any consequence to the people in her town, and boom, Gabriel. What was that interaction like? Was Gabriel like how we've seen angels portrayed a billion times, shiny and loud and dramatic? Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And then Gabriel says what angels seem to always say. Do not be afraid. Or was it just more of a surprise? Like Mary was folding laundry, humming a song to herself, and boom! There was the angel Gabriel behind her, saying, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And then, because of the startling entrance, Gabriel felt compelled to say, Oh, sorry for sneaking up on you there. Don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. However Gabriel got there, or whatever Gabriel looked like, this intro clearly didn't make the impact the angel might have hoped for since this exciting, world-changing entrance should bring. Luke says that Mary was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Is this guy a traveling used cart salesman? 
Is he here to try to take me away somewhere? Is this good news for me or just this weirdo? Gabriel continues, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Huh? Mary's pretty brave at this point with this guy, creep, angel, who's appeared alone to her, and she asks, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Okay, well, that's a lot to take in. Did Mary just accept that? Was she still skeptical? Maybe she hadn't been won over until the angel continued, and now your relative Elizabeth in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. If it's, it's after the angel makes this connection to someone she knows, someone she trusts, that Mary seems to make the shift and trust this spirit. As fast as the response comes in the scripture, I personally can't imagine that it didn't take her a little bit of time to get to this statement, but she agrees and inspires an excellent Beatles song. Let it be. She says, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Does she fully grasp what she's just said? Maybe. I can't fathom fully understanding just what I'd have committed in that moment. And here's a huge what if. If she could see all that is to come for her, would she still have said yes? To bring up such a child, what must that have been like? And then when he began his ministry to excitedly come to see him and be sent away with him saying, who is my mother? Who are my siblings? And then saying to the crowd, here are my mother, here are my siblings. How that had to sting. And then to watch your own flesh and blood that you loved and cared for dying on the cross as if he were some common criminal. Knowing all that, would she have accepted this call? Maybe. This clearly is a very strong young woman. And boom! The angel leaves. Now begins the time I really want us to sit with. This is the time that resonates very strongly with me. This time between finding out this news and seeing Elizabeth and our scripture for today, the Magnificat. All we read in Luke is, in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to the Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. This space between feels like Advent. It feels like this Advent. The space between the angel and Elizabeth. We've committed. We've said yes. 
We're waiting for what's already happened. We're alone and scared and out of our depths and feel very small and insignificant, and yet we've been given a powerful task by God. And what will this mean? How will this change us? Think of all the things that make your life complex, difficult, troublesome. All the worries that are a part of your existence. Now consider this girl named Mary who finds herself pregnant. How does this look? What will this mean for her? She's been told some pretty grandiose things, but she's a poor girl from a backwater town whose fiancé would be well within his right to stone her to death since she's now pregnant, pregnant out of wedlock. I don't think she went with haste to Elizabeth's place out of excitement and anticipation. Maybe there was some semblance of those feelings deep within her, but I think all the fear and worry and unknowns that I just mentioned had to be occupying her mind. All the mundane but important logistical elements of life as a young teen in a small town with this new reality had to be swirling through her head. This is not an easy space to be in. There is hope and excitement buried somewhere in there, there's probably a deep knowing that what is to come has already been set on course in your yes to God, but it's hard to see how this will work. It's hard to see where to turn or how you can move forward. I think Mary runs to the one place, the one safe place she can think of. She's been told Elizabeth is pregnant too. Hopefully she'll understand. Maybe she'll understand. Or maybe this new reality will change everything about their relationship. But where else can Mary go? Where would you go? Where do you go for comfort, for understanding? Where is your safe place or places? And what makes them that way for you? Did Mary feel relief upon seeing Elizabeth? Or was she still concerned about how Elizabeth would see her now that she was pregnant? Would Elizabeth respond with concern, with judgment? What can we learn from Elizabeth's response? Because it is this exclamation and response of welcome and love and acceptance that prompts Mary's Magnificat. It's not seeing an angel. It's not knowing you carry God's child in you. It is feeling the love and acceptance and understanding of someone you trust and admire. It is hearing Elizabeth say, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by God. Everything, here is everything this scared girl needed to hear. Here is the unconditional love and companionship that will help her, sustain her, encourage her, love her. Now all those worries and concerns are put into proportion. Now the magnitude and astonishing gift given to her by God can be appreciated, understood, felt. You are loved just as you are. You are a gift to the world. You are doing a great thing, even if this world does not understand. And the angel is right. There is no need to fear. You have support. You have love not just in heaven, not just in your heart, but real palpable love for you in this world. And it will be all these loves, all these gifts from our Creator that are now, that you now recognize, that you know are true now. In this moment, how will you respond? Have you gotten to Mary's response? Are you ready to sing with her? Or maybe you're still somewhere on the road to Elizabeth's, still preoccupied, or maybe even overwhelmed by all the stark realities and troubles of life. Wherever you are, know that you have a safe place. You will get there. And you will sing. And what a song it will be.